You are listening to the Purpose of Money podcast, a podcast where we talk about ways to build wealth and create more freedom in your life today. I am your host, Aquania Escarnet. Hey guys, welcome back to the Purpose of Money podcast. This is your host, Aquania Escarnet. I'm excited to have this interview today with Chrissy Robinson because she's a brand strategist and CEO of her own company called Color Addict. But she's also someone who went from juggling several businesses to a full-time entrepreneur focusing on one thing. And in this episode, we talk about why entrepreneurs need to focus on one thing before they develop several additional businesses. This is something that I struggled with even in the beginning of my business because I was selling insurance in my nine to five, a mom, a wife, and also trying to fine tune who did I want to target to help build wealth. And I found myself all over the place trying to teach financial literacy, teach people about the importance of life insurance, and so much more at the same time. And it wasn't until I really started to focus on one thing that I saw tremendous results, not even just helping more people, but also multiplying the income in my business. So I think this is a really important topic for entrepreneurs, whether you're new to business or you've been established for a while and you're still trying to fine tune your niche. If you want to dive deeper into this subject, I encourage you to read this awesome book called The One Thing. The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results by Gary Keller with Jay Papasan. It is a Wall Street Journal bestseller, over 2 million copies sold, and an amazing book for someone who's trying to find their niche and really does want to build a business. My coach gave me this book. I read it. It's a page turner. And it's a great way to help remind you on why focus is so important if you really want to multiply your sales and your impact. So without further ado, let's hop into this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Take notes and don't forget to share, like, and subscribe so you can continue to help the podcast be visible to others out there. Thanks so much. Hey guys, welcome back to the Purpose of Money podcast. I'm super excited. This week we have special guest Crystal Robinson, aka Chrissy. She's a brand strategist and partners with entrepreneurs to develop a strategy to reach their ideal target market and grow their online audiences. She is knowledgeable in brand strategy, web design, and marketing. Chrissy specializes in working with minority-owned businesses that lack access to resources and knowledge. Her clients are empowered through training so they are able to make informed decisions. Hi, Chrissy. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. How are you? I am awesome. I'm so glad to have you here today. And I'm excited about this conversation because we're going to talk about full-time entrepreneurship and your journey and how to focus on one thing, which is really important because so many entrepreneurs are juggling more than one business at the same time. So I want to talk about the pros and cons to that. And then what are the mistakes people make? So 
we're going to hop into this conversation. Don't worry. I'm going to ask you some questions so we don't have to talk about everything at once. But I was so intrigued when I talked to you because you told me in our conversation that you were juggling three businesses in addition to a nine to five before you made the leap into entrepreneurship. So tell us a little bit more about that. What type of businesses were you running and why were you running three at the same time? <sighs> yeah. And the truth is, is that I wasn't, I wasn't technically running them. There was a hot mess. So I had an event planning business. I had Color Attic, which is the business I run today. That's the soul, my bread and butter. And then I also was starting another business with uh, a partner at the time. It was a, a athletic apparel. It's called Gym Chimps. Beautiful brand. Great concept. Um, but what ended up happening, still working nine to five. And I was salary, but I was in tech. So they were working us like crazy if you're familiar with the tech industry. So to be truthful, it was very hard. It was very hard. And also I'm of the belief that you can't really run. Well, you can run multiple businesses at a time, but you can't start multiple businesses at a time. And because all of my businesses were in that uh, building phase where you're still trying to get the blocks up and fully functioning, by the way, right? The only one that wasn't getting in sales was the baby we were starting, which was Gym Chimps. But I had clients at Effortless. Effortless Event Design was the event. It's still up somewhere in the Ethernet somewhere. And I also had color added clients all at the same time. So I'm juggling events. My full-time position, hello. And then I'm also still running a creative agency, which was just me at the time. So it was a little bit easier. Um, but it was hard. It was hard. I use a lot of, I'm kind of like a process, like maniac almost. So I use a lot of processes, built a lot of systems, but even then with them all being in the very early stage, it's hard to focus on the sales aspect in the very beginning on multiple businesses at once. And I encourage anyone who's just starting out. And that's kind of the hard truth that I had to swallow. So what ended up with happening was, so Jim Chimps, uh, me and the partnership kind of dissolved. So that was easy. And then when it came to effortless, I had expanded my team really quickly, <laughs> but not the best way. Right. So I was hiring, I had three people working for me, but they were all like part-time, like very small hours when I should have just had one person that was probably full-time or closer to like real part-time hours. And so what was happening was all these tasks that they were doing was actually bringing in a lot of leads, but I slowly but surely started to lose them because it just wasn't enough for them, right? Because we all got real things we need to do. So what ended up happening is I got very overwhelmed because I was getting crazy leads, getting calls and everything. And I didn't have a team to support me to the point where I had to have, have like my sister help me a couple times at events. And it was just way too stressful. So I let that go to kind of pursue my real passion. And to be perfectly honest, the journey showed me that event planning, and you will do this in business as well. Like everyone does this. Event planning from a consumer, like B2C perspective is just not for me. I find at least, and there are event planners out here who love this, but a lot of people have million dollar budgets or million dollar ideas, but like $10 budgets. And I just was not dealing with that. When it comes to personal events, everybody has a hundred dollars in their pocket, but they want what they see on my sweet 16. Like it's just not happening. So that was some eye-opening experience that I got. And also I just wanted to kind of pivot towards businesses because the business clients that I were working with on the color addict side 
was actually what I was more gravitating to. So I made the wise decision to just put the brakes, the hard brakes, forever brakes <laughs> on the effortless event design and pursue color addicts. And then what ended up happening with my job is I ended up losing it. And so I told myself, give myself 30 days to see if I can make it work. If I can replace my full-time income with my, at the time, was more like a side hustle, but it really wasn't. It was a full-fledged business. And I busted my butt. I busted my butt. I worked night and day, and I actually hit my goal. However, it was, it was more proof to, to me to actually see if I can do it. But what ended up happening was, it's obviously not scalable for you to work all those hours. Like, I was literally sleeping like three hours a day or three hours a night. And so what ended up happening is I made my goal, but I decided instead to try to figure out how I can systemize my business so that I can handle this more long term. And that took me about six, six to maybe even nine months to get the systems in place, to get things kind of really rolling and consistent. And then I never looked back. I've never looked back since. I love that. And so Kind of building on that, I, I appreciate your honesty in that you lost your job. So it's not like you took the leap and you had a retirement party or whatever. You were like, wait, what? I you may thought you may have thought you were going to be working there for much longer, and then they told you you weren't. So you were put in a position where you had to kind of sink or swim. You decided to swim. You treaded water, you were really swimming, but you were tired, right? Like the reality set in of full-time entrepreneurship and doing all the tasks can make you tired and exhausted, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's super valuable that you highlighted the importance of systems and taking the time to build those systems. So now that you've had your experience, what would you say entrepreneurs should do to prepare for full-time entrepreneurship? If they knew, you know, ahead of time, this is what they want to do. What are the steps they should take to prepare? If you are trying to transition to the full-time entrepreneurship, I would say focus on sales. Well, before you even focus on sales, and everyone says this, but everyone was saying it to me at the time. So when I first transitioned, I got a bunch of mentors. I was using all the resources because I had to prove it to myself, first and foremost. So everyone was telling me, market research, do this, know your clients, who's your clients, blah, 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 and ask me all these questions. And I felt like I knew the answers, right? It was pretty straightforward. But what I've learned over time, especially being a brand strategist, you really have to understand who your clients are from a person as an individual. Because a lot of people don't look at, look at their clients, believe it or not. If you think about it, most people don't look at their clients as actual people. They look at them as almost like a ticket or a project or something to do when they have like a whole essence to them. So one of the, one of the first things that I realized that really helped me was doing these client interviews. I was realizing, and it's something that, you know, they do in like tech a lot. We call them user interviews. And so I would interview clients, not what is it like working with me? What products and services do you need? It wasn't a sales pitch, but I would get to know them as an individual. What resources are you looking up for, you know, your number one challenge? So if they say, I'm struggling with this, what what have you tried? What um what YouTubers are you listening to? Do you follow any blogs? Like getting to understand who they are individually, asking like really deep questions and just kind of prying. And then capturing all of that and documenting it from a sense of, it's, it kind of really builds your marketing strategy. 
and even your sales strategy, because it tells you kind of where to look for your clients. So that's the first step is understanding who they are as a person so that you can really show up in those places for them. And you can really be a resource. Because what I learned myself is that I was talking about all these things that I thought my clients cared about, and they really didn't care about it. As entrepreneurs, especially being in the branding industry, um, they they know they need a website. They know they need to look good. They know, they know they need a logo. They know what needs to look good, et cetera, et cetera. But they really don't care about it. They care about return on investment. Every single one of my clients, their number one, number one goal was always either grow revenue or expand their team. So that made me transition a lot of my marketing to be more results driven, right? So not just beautiful things, but let me help you make them work. Let me help you increase the conversion. I would not have had that knowledge without talking to them. So I say, first, talk to your clients. If you don't have clients, if you're in the very, very early stages, talk to potential clients. You have a network. You have people who you think could use your services. So talk to them. Just say, hey, can I, can I borrow your ear for 30 minutes or even 15 minutes and just ask, ask the perfect questions. And then from there, you build your sales strategy and you keep changing it and changing it and trying different things until you find something that works. And then you double down on that. <laughs> I love that. That's that's awesome. That's excellent tips. And I think it should, I hope you guys are listening, guys, that should resonate with you, especially if you are debating jumping into full-time entrepreneurship. So my next question for you is the focusing on one thing. You had to do it out of the results of one business dissolving itself, one business um, you found you liked more than the other. So you really focused after trying three at the same time. How would you recommend someone focuses and how should they prioritize what they focus on? What Mm -hmm. tips do you have for that? So the reason, I just want to take a step back for a second. The reason why you focus, especially in the early stages, is because you're only one person. And unless you have a team, there's no way, it's impossible. Like I'm a strong believer in this. Unless you have a team, there's no way to start multiple things at once. Because if you think of all of your energy, your effort as kind of this bucket that you're pulling from, at some point by pulling it towards one business, you're taking it from another. So you have to really, really, really get focused and how you do that, how you figure out what to focus on. The easy, simplest way that I like to give people, have a vision. So even if you set goals from, I, I recommend, I'm a crazy person. So I, I do weekly, well, I don't do weekly goals. I do monthly goals, quarterly goals, and annual goals, right? And what this does is this helps me prioritize what I actually need to focus on. And I do this with clients as well. So say, for example, if one of your goals is to launch a podcast, right? And you have this huge to-do list. I call them brain dumps because to-do list is all the things, but sometimes there's things missing that is keeping you up at night, Right? So your brain dump is everything you have to do. Dump it all on a piece of paper. Then what you're going to do is go one by one and say, is this going to get me to my goal? If it's not, it's not a priority, period. It's not a priority. Is this going to get me to my goal? And then take all those things that are going to get you to your goal and organize them in a way that is kind of first in, first out type of things. There's usually some dependencies in that. Well, I can't, I can't, you know, get guests until I actually have a process for securing guests. There's usually a nice like sequential order that you can follow. But at the end of the day, and there's also certain things I can go at the same time, but prioritize everything. The problem is that a lot of things have to be done as an entrepreneur, as a business owner in general, there's a lot of things that we wear a lot of hats. 
So to prioritize what you do, you have to know where you're going. Because you can get distracted. I even get distracted all the time. Someone will send me an email and I'll go down a rabbit hole and I'll look up and I'll be like, crap, I just lost a whole hour. <laughs> like fishing around for something. So I have that like, um, I call it a false sense of urgency. And a lot of people do. A lot of people do. Everybody thinks you got to do something right now. But at the end of the day, unless you're a firefighter or a police officer, <laughs> unless you're that person, you're not saving lives. So whatever that thing is, they can wait and focus on what your goals are. I love it. If you're not a firefighter or the police, you are not needing to rush and be urgent. That's important. And I and I agree with you. A lot of people create their own urgencies and it's, it causes stress, right? And who wants to be a stressed out entrepreneur? So I love that advice. And I like your uh, ideas for prioritization too. I am a lister, so I like to write things down and I like to cross them out. So I can relate to that a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess I want to ask you, now that you are on the other side, you are a full-time successful entrepreneur. What are some of the mistakes that you see people making when it comes to brand strategy? And what are some of your tips to help them avoid those mistakes? Absolutely. So I would say the biggest mistake, which is going to throw, I I know I cannot stop people from making this mistake because I can give you a million reasons as to why you shouldn't take this path, but people still will. And I have a theory as to why this happens. But the biggest mistake is they focus on the visuals. Instead of understanding that a brand is so much more than the logo. Oh my gosh, you don't buy Nike because of the swoosh. You don't. It's not that sexy of a logo, right? You buy it because of the experience of what it stands for. They stand for motivation, getting it done. You you buy, you buy into this whole experience of who they are. So if you start again to focus on what your brand's experience should be, and just as a pro tip, if you're like, what is a brand? A brand is what people think you are. Is their gut feeling or experience of you. And what we do as brand strategists is we try to align what you want people to think to what they actually think. It's a balancing act. You do not hit it and then, oh, I'm done. Just the same way Nike and all these companies are still rolling out marketing materials and different events and all kinds of things. It never ends. But a lot of people in the beginning, they kind of, when they're starting their business, they almost see, you know, website, logo, you know, maybe LLC or something like that. Checklist, got a business. And you haven't even talked about products. You haven't talked about services. You haven't talked about your client. All the things that actually do equate to a business, right? I I like to say people are playing business, not actually doing business or like playing doctor. I'm a doctor, you know? (laughs) So you you got the whole uniform on, you got the get up, you look great, but you're not doing any business. You're not talking to anyone. So I would say that's the number one thing. However, I understand why people think like this. It's because the visuals is what you experience as a consumer. So you believe business, that is business, but you don't see the end work. They pay someone like me or they have a team in-house to do a lot of this work of understanding who their clients are, of trying to figure out how they can get into them. Target's a great example. They have multiple client profiles. You have your target savvy ones who, you know, are, you know, coupon savvy. Then you have your, um, I call them like targetistas or, Target, you know, the the bougie Target shoppers, they have so many levels within kind of their different audiences and and they are nuanced and they know those and they talk to those individually. If you think about their marketing, 
like their ads and stuff, you always see women. You always see families. They're marketing to a specific person. They're not just saying everyone. Oh, it kills me when people say, when I ask, who's your audience? Who's your client? And they say, everyone. Well, everyone, no. And that's how I know you're thinking way too big. So that's kind of like a two-parter. One, don't focus on the visuals. Two, actually know who your audience is. Those are the two mistakes I see in the very, very early stages. Know your audience. And I hate to even call it an audience. Know your client as a person, individually. Because audience feels still big. Know who they are. That's that's good advice. And I struggle with that even in my own business when I first started out. And then I had to write it out. I was so resistant to write it out because I was like, that's going to take too much time. And I feel like this is fluff. You're on a whiteboard and you're, you know, putting down adjectives and describing people that you give fake names, but it was so helpful. Like once I did that exercise, I was like, oh yes. And then I actually looked at some of my real clients And I took their lives and I put them on paper. And I was like, this is my current client list. This is what they look like. And I created four, actually created four different avatars, what they call them. And now I target those four types of women. So I love what you're saying. I totally get it. And I could see how some people don't focus on that because it takes time. It doesn't immediately appear to have a return on investment, but you'll notice that um, it actually does, right? Like once you narrow down who you're targeting, you can nail it. And then it takes less effort to convert to a sale. Right, right. And to give you some kudos, right? I'm on your email list. Great. And that's because I'm sure you've done that work. A lot of people struggle. They say, Crystal, I don't know. I don't know what to build content on or I have no ideas. I'm sure you're using that list to help generate content because you're asking yourself, what does Susie need? Right. Because we're calling her a name now. She's no longer my client or my target market. What does Susie need? What does Kathy need? What does Karen need? Whatever, whatever her name is, what does she need? And I'm going to show up for her every single day in her inbox. I love it. Yes. Thank you so much for being on my email list. But I love the feedback too, because you know, I was asking for myself (laughs) in addition to my friends. Um, (laughs) So now I kind of want to ask you one of my favorite questions. Um, The name of the podcast is called The Purpose of Money. And it's a signature question I ask all my guests. What is your purpose for money? My purpose for money is, I hate to say this, but freedom. Freedom to show up for people the way that I need to show up. So if I'm thinking about kind of like how I price things and how it's like working with me, it's so that I can show up 100% and have not and not have any regrets. What I was doing in the early stages is that I was in everyone, especially Black women. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh undercharges in the beginning. And so when you undercharge, you end up undervaluing your clients and kind of being a brat, right? You don't show up the way you need to show up. So I look at money as kind of like clarity, peace of mind, you know, because when someone, I look at every single, I, I can't remember who said this, but every single dollar is a love note. So I look at it as like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. You love me. So let me show up for you 100%. Right. If you're paying me your hard earned money, I'm going to show up for you 100 percent. So for me, it's peace of mind, clarity and love, love. Thank you. And abundant. Can we just say that? Can everyone just 
everyone listening, just say money is abundant, please. It's flowing all around you, no matter where you look. You look up, there was money exchanged. No matter what you're looking at. And if you're not looking at anything, it's internet and all kinds of radio waves above your head. So or maybe even through your head. <laughs> but it's money being exchanged everywhere. So it's abundant. All you got to do is reach out and grab it. It's really- I love that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to know if someone wants to work with you, what is it that they'll get when they connect with you? And how can we connect with you? So talk about your client experience, um, who is your target audience? We talked about minority-owned businesses, but is there anything more you want to say? Because if someone's listening and they are your target audience, I want them to contact you. So describe who that is, what they get when they work with you, and then let us know how to find you. So I actually, so when it comes to the creative agency, we work with people who are kind of um, more established in business. So I don't have any necessary like demographics. Like I work with people of all shapes and sizes, but we more concerned about like, are you ready for this kind of investment in your business? And I would just say, if you have a question, I'm always open, right? So if anyone has a question, definitely reach out. I'm not the type of person who, I mean, I probably turn more clients down than I should because a lot of times really early people in the early stages come to me. And like I said, I don't think it's something you should focus on. And I'm not going to be the place you throw your money into. I don't care if you got to sit in there. doesn't matter. There's other things that have to happen first. Um, so with that being said, I would say if you're, if you're trying to reach out to me, you can either, you know, message me on Instagram or, you know, book a call on my website. It's coloradic.com. It's spelled with K's, K-O-L-O-R-A-D-D-I-K-T.com. And we do what, so I should also say I have an accidental business. Um, Cause like I said, well, my, the good thing is, is that color addict is a well oiled machine. That baby goes with or without me. So I have currently, I have eight people under me and who are working for me, different designers, video editors. My team is pretty large. So that kind of just goes, I'm just more of the brand strategist creative director for it. So with all of this free time, uh, I accidentally started another thing <laughs> last year and it's going very well. It is for um, women entrepreneurs in the early stages. Because what was happening is that I would cross all these people. Like I said, I'm in calls and they would be like, I want to work with you. And I'm like, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> and that's power in that, guys. That's why I say freedom. And so I would be like, no, and I wouldn't really have anything for them. And so what ended up happening is I started this group. Originally, I started it for myself. I was being selfish, be honest. I started for myself. I was like, I want to connect with other entrepreneurs exactly where I am. We can brainstorm, get ideas, et cetera, et cetera. But I did it so quickly. I worked very fast. So I did it so quickly. I didn't do the best job of marketing. And so what ended up happening in my application process, I was interviewing all of these people, getting them in, signed up. And I realized that in the calls, I ended up coaching a lot. I was participating at first, and then I actually ended up coaching in these calls. So now it's kind of full-blown transition, probably since, um, I would say around August last year, it's transitioned into a paid membership in group coaching. So I have that. That's for kind of those newer people who are still transitioning. So I call it like the builders of business. You have build, this is just my own terminology, build, grow, and thrive. So if I'm working, Coloradic works with growers and thrivers, where 
Boss Bish is more for builders. And that's the name of the group, I should say. Boss Bish is the name of the group. So if, if you're interested in that, that's also links on my website as well. You just go to the menu and it says join my mastermind group. There's a page that tells you all about it, videos, the sneak peeks inside and all that stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm open for any questions. Um, I just like to be a resource for people at the end of the day. Same thing on Instagram too, by the way. So it's color addict, no spaces, no underscores, none of that funky stuff. <laughs> Just color addicts felt exactly the same. I love it. And this is important because I think people will ask, do they have to live in the same state as you to work with you? I have clients all over. I have clients in Cali, New Orleans, um, West, not Wisconsin, Washington. I was thinking W. I have clients all over Atlanta. I am a fully digital business. COVID didn't really impact me that much because of that. Um, I do have local clients too, though. Shout out to Michigan clients. Um, but for the most part, I have a lot of love in Cali. I don't know why. I think I should maybe move to Cali. A lot of my clients are in Cali. Okay. So next time I talk to you, you'll be Southern California or wherever. Wherever yes, you want. Maybe. Maybe. Well, taking the sunshine is way better than the cold. Okay, so I I really have loved this conversation. Crystal, thank you so much for being on the Purpose of Money podcast. Listeners, don't worry if you didn't catch the links. I will include all of them in the show notes. Make sure you follow Crystal, check out her brand. And if you're interested, join her mastermind group. And of course, if you love this episode, don't forget to share it and leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. Thank you so much. Until next time, keep building generational wealth. Thank you for listening to the Purpose of Money podcast. For more resources and information, check out my website, thepurposeofmoney.com. And while you're there, please sign up for our newsletter so you have the latest information on new episodes and blog posts. Until next time, keep creating freedom in your life today.